Hello there and welcome to this week's ResiCast. I'm Andrew Teacher at Blackstock Consulting and I'm joined by Jess Tomlinson who's Head of Real Estate for London at Barclays. I'm joined by Alan Shilton who's Head of Funds, Capital Markets at Patrizia and by Richard Jackson who is the co-founder at Apache Capital Partners. And, and Jess Tomlinson, we've been talking for some years around the rise of institutional investment in build to rent and and have people woken up to this now? Is, is it now, has it moved on from being a nascent asset class to being something approaching maturity? What's so your view? It's still an asset class that's clearly in, in emergence, but it has seen huge growth in investment volumes in the last couple of years with now thousands of units in the pipeline. Um, and you know, investors absolutely have woken up to what they see as the long-term value of the sector. It makes an, enor- an, an enormous amount of sense to watch investors who need to match long-term liabilities with the long-term income streams from what is regarded as a defensive asset class. I also think it plays a very powerful role in our residential market more broadly. We need good quality build-to-rent stock that people can live in at every sort of point in, a point in their life cycle. Um, so it's a good thing all round. And, and Alan Shilton, it, it's interesting having you sat here with Patrizia alongside Richard from, from Apache, different businesses at different stages in, in their life cycle and, and maturity. Uh, Patrizia's obviously got a, a 35-year heritage in the marketplace 35 years ago we had wham wake me up before we go go top of the chart so life has moved on a lot in the last 35 years um what has changed for you guys what what have you seen as the market and how is that expertise that you've harvested over three and a half decades now being employed in the sector because you, you have a range of different routes to market don't you for your investors yeah so 35 years ago uh, patricia started out as a bit of a disruptor to the to the german residential market by um doing a lot of privatization of of, of units um whereas it was very new to that that market at the time you fast forward 35 years and and now uh 10 billion aum we're, we're all over europe and the key learning we've had is to always have local people on the grounds in those markets that that you uh, that you embark on um, we have made mistakes in the past where we've gone into markets without those people on the ground and we won't do that again um, and now with 200 people in residential across across Europe we are hopefully one of the uh, the, the most well populated teams that can provide that sort of micro knowledge and insight into these big winning cities that you hear ourselves or Apache or any other reputable manager talking about and, and it's that that shift towards operationalizing of real estate that that's been a big uh, a big trend over the last five ten years hasn't it and and that's why you've been very people heavy in those micro markets understanding the dna of berlin or copenhagen or, or whatever city you're in yeah definitely you know it's not just understanding the city like a berlin or copenhagen you're in it's understanding the the micro location of that city and also what property strategy fits that that city as as well in that specific location um and dependent on the strategy and the location, you will have different investors requiring different risks and different returns off, off the back of that. Um, you look at the gross to net leakage and the gross to net leakage in, in Germany is, is far lower than in, than in the UK, although people don't know exactly where it's going to fall out at the moment. That's the thought process. And we're trying to take what we've learned in Germany and other countries and use that knowledge, expertise and bring it into the UK and other, other new markets. And data is now becoming king. And Richard Jackson, it's interesting listening to to Alan talk about Patricia's 
history and, and how it was disrupted 35 years ago. And, and that, to some degree, has been the position that Apache Capital has occupied in, in the last 10 years in the UK market, building central prime assets in emerging, uh, in emerging asset classes. That's correct. We, when we set the business up, it was very challenging times. And as such, to have placed ourselves as an investment manager in the mainstream commercial sectors, there wasn't any edge against a more established manager. So we were seeking to identify new sectors and trends to go into. Um, and we believed that the alternatives were going to become an increasing part of any institutional investors' allocations. So as such, we started with the social infrastructure platform that was targeting sectors that were reliant on government funding and there was cuts in that funding for, so there's more role for the private sector so we went into student accommodation where the government was big cuts to the universities they could no longer afford to enter into leases on their balance sheets which was their traditional way of securing product and we could see the emergence of developers developing that product and we believe that if we could acquire develop and stabilize and show long-term income streams for institutional investors that is something that they would want to have as part of their allocations and fortunately for us that's happened so we started with a student we then went on to senior living we're continuing to develop that out and now trialing for sale and for rent in that sector and our main platform or i should say our largest is with our partner moda in the build to rent sector where we are developing and operating and owning longer term um, built to rent assets um, throughout the uk and on an investor level again you're, you're working with some pretty globally recognised names as well, aren't you? We are now, yes. We're very fortunate with our partnership in Moda to have secured uh, some substantial investments from Harrison Street on a programmatic basis and also with the National Farmers Union and alongside our own capital. But that journey of accessing that capital is being quite interesting. We started off with capital from the Middle East and my partner John Dunkley lived out there for eight years uh, looking after and securing that capital. But we wanted to diversify that capital base outside of the region. And three or four years ago, we started going around the city and saying, we have this platform, we're not marketing this platform or selling this platform, what do you think of the strategy? And at that time, the overarching sentiment was they wanted to invest, they didn't want to develop, they wanted scale, and they would come in earlier into a part-stabilised, part-unstabilised portfolio. And that's how we structured the platform rate of which we now have secured Harrison Street and NFU. The difference from three to four years ago to where it is now is that there is much more patient institutional capital, global and domestic, that is looking to take on build-to-core strategies where institutions will develop in order to secure that product that they will own longer term. And, and, and Alan, is, is that something you're seeing as well? I mean, so Rich is saying that more global industries are comfortable with, with that with that step up in risk. And and obviously, you know, you've, you've come at it from different strategies, many different strategies, over the years. Is, is that something that you're also recognising? Yeah, if you look at the UK specifically, you see a lot of the big global players coming in and doing, as Richard said, you know, taking that yield on cost play and, and position of, uh, of, of long-term sustainable real estate. But they also will look at um, exiting after the, the development period. They're not just saying I'm in this for 30 years, they're, they're, they're probably taking a short-term and a long-term view and having that flexibility to, to flip between one and the other. Um, you look at some of the historic German capital, they are owners of this uh, real estate for 30-plus years and continue and are only focused on the income. So growing income, growing NUI is, is what the, the key metric is in, in sort of the German market broadly speaking and I think over time that's probably where the UK will go uh, but at the moment you have a lot of other capitals sat on the sidelines waiting for the finished institutionalized product to become available 
but um, it'll be interesting to see the, the supply side in certain markets in, in the coming years. And what opportunity is there for a, for a, a blended approach, a, a pan-European blended approach that, that balances some of that, the, the risk that the Richard describes with, with some of the, you know, the, the more core style investment that you could possibly get? somewhere like Germany that has a lot of standing stock? Well, we hope so, because that's exactly what we do. So, you know, I, I, hopefully that is the, the plan going forward. So, yeah, I think there is opportunity for both. Uh, you know, some markets like the UK are very early in the in the sort of stages. Other markets are more mature, and there's a whole host of, of, of different cities in between. But each city has a, a growing population. Uh, each city has a lack of, of good quality stock and a, and a consumer, a renter who is changing their habits and wanting to rent more time to have the flexibility to, to move as this young population grows. And, and Jess, and that's, that's a, a point that Adam makes that, that, that this sector is structurally supported. It is supported by the shifting landscape of how people demand service and want to access general day-to-day amenities, whether that's you know dog walking or shopping or not having to, to worry about those dreaded red cards you get from the post office saying, walk 5,000 miles to go and pick up your shampoo. How are you, as, as a house, looking at, at, at running numbers when this is an emerging asset class, the comps aren't necessarily there, how do you price things? How do you how are you pricing deals? So we focus on the fundamentals of the scheme that's brought to us, and we focus on the track record of the operator or, or that we're that we're working alongside. And those things are absolutely key. And it goes to what Alan was saying, which is you're looking at the particulars of each individual scheme. It's micro where it sits as a micro asset in a broader community, and we very f- much focus down on that. We will put an enormous amount of store by the due diligence that we will do around um, a sponsor's view on rental growth, rental price point. And yes, the fact that we don't have years and years of stabilised rental data around this sector can make that analysis more challenging. But at Barclays, with the depth of knowledge that we have in the resi sector, we're comfortable that we can do that analysis on an asset-by-asset basis. And, and I think that's, that's an important point, isn't it, Alan Shilton, this focus really in on a micro level, because I think, you, you know, you, look, you open a newspaper any day of the week and you tell, well, the housing market in Germany is up, housing market in England is down, and, and these, these, these rather nonsensical uh, summarisations that people make of an entire market, which you, you just can't really do. How, how are you able to... to how are you able to, to transport and, and share that knowledge that you might gain on, a, on a, you know, in an emerging area in Munich? How can you then extrapolate that data and use it in, in France or in Spain? Yeah. So data is, is the starting point. You have to have you know, scale. You have to have a number of data points, which we have with 35 years track record um, across these, these different cities and countries. Then you've got to use tech to enable it and be able to transport it, which is something that we're, we're very passionate about. And, and Wolfgang, our founder, is, is, is leading that tech uh, innovation and pushing us towards the forefront of the real estate industry in that. But more importantly, it comes from people on the ground as well. There's no point having a, a research prediction of you know, 2% uh, in line with inflation across Germany because in reality, the rents are never going to go like that. You, know, you might get, as you say, some winners and losers. And when you get the winners, you're going to be way above inflation. And that's how you drive the value and differentiating in performance versus, versus others. And, and, and Richard Jackson, you're the, you know, the, the essence of your partnership with Moda Living is all about having 
a best-in-class operator, best-in-class developer, and a leading consumer brand. How are, are you focused on using technology within that? Because that, that's a core part of your offer. I think technology is absolutely critical, not just because um, people are interested in it and some of the largest evolutions coming forward for residential is going to be driven by technology, but also what it does, particularly through the app that we've been designing uh, and we'll be utilising it, it gives a lot of control and enablement to our residents to be able to form groups and communities within the building as as they're choosing, as opposed to us dictating what they may or not be able to do. And this this was key with, with your the sort of development in Paul Street. You, you transacted earlier this year, that set a new record of pricing in the London housing market. That was a deal with, with Greystar, Allianz and, and PSP. How are you able to really drive the market upwards with that? Well, I think if you look at the technology in relation to Paul Street, um, that was relatively um, uh, basic in compared to what we're doing within Angel Gardens from the way the lifts operates to the apps to the enablement of all the apartments with fibre so that we can adjust with the times. In terms of the Paul Street pricing and the positioning in the marketplace, it was a, a very strong price that was secured for the asset. I think it reflected the fact that there are supply-demand um, imbalances in London in relation to students, and that will continue. And it also demonstrated the strength of institutional capital demand for long-term proven stable income streams that are diversified. We had over 456 people living within that building. So I think a lot of the essences of student have already flowed into built rent. It's one of the reasons why built rent has accelerated so much quicker than student did in its earlier days because institutions and investors and developers and banks can see how the student market has performed but without the restrictions that you have with student. In student, if you have not let your building by the time your year you've starts... You've got cliff edge, haven't you? you in, got in, that in, cliff edge. In October. And, and, and Alan... You look, don't have that with built to rent. You know, you we, can let that year in, year out, day in, day out. And we were talking about that earlier, weren't we, Andrew, in terms of that that is absolutely right, that as lenders... Um, work more with build to rent we are looking at asset classes where we've been on a similar journey and student is very clearly an example just like it is for equity as it is for lenders in terms of what how did this how did we evolve our appetite here what were the key things how are we looking at that in build to rent i think i think the fact that asset class has matured has helped drive quicker adoption on btr do you think the btr though will as it evolves and stabilizes actually be uh, obviously because it's a larger asset class it will actually become lower yielding than the student because it is arguably less risky as a result of all those points you've just made C- clearly that is a possible long-term position that it that it, that it will reach but we've saw that i mean that this is why i mean the, the paul street deal that that apache did earlier in the year was interesting because the, the yield that that came in at was pretty much in line with, with open market prs wasn't it i mean and that yeah arguably certainly for london yes it was uh, and that again underlines the point Alan's making around you know, the opportunity for yield compression here. And, and, and surely, you, Alan Shorten, you, you've seen that across Europe, haven't you? Yeah, yields are pretty low across uh, across certain parts of Europe right now. But um, we believe there is still opportunities to identify this micro area and get you know ad- advanced growth because the supply demand dynamics are, are in our favour. And that's because you and, and within your 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 own European fund, you've got the flexibility to to undertake different strategies, don't you? Yeah, we we do have different property strategies to to go into the micro opportunity in those uh, big uh, winning cities that we've we've identified. At, 
across Europe. So yeah, for us, it's a very exciting uh, space. You know, we um, we are seeing deals right now, and ones we've acquired, ones we're in the process of acquiring that are in line with what you would expect as a long-term institutional holder of real estate and getting the income requirements you require for a, a residential uh, pan-European platform of three and a half plus percent. And, and how, how are your investors looking at the emerging challenges around sustainability? Because I mean, this is something that has kind of come back around again and again over the years in, in the institutional arena, but it's now a far bigger consumer issue and ultimately, unlike you know the historic approach to twenty-year leases to, to retail, you you you're, you are uh, a consumer-facing business, like it or not. Um, how are you, obviously, with your 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 relationship and your responsibilities to investors, and your responsibilities to to end users and consumers? How are you, how are you looking to fulfil those responsibilities? Yeah, we are a, a service provider. You know, we we don't um, we don't. Uh, uh, shy away from the fact that it is a service business and wherever we go whether it's a tenant whether it's an investor whether it's an agent they whenever they touch the brand Patrizia they get a, a feel for who we are and, and what we're about so at every step we along that journey we we are doing our utmost to um, to make sure that experience is a good and a positive one now whether that is using technology again to make buildings more efficient and uh, uh, more enjoyable whether that is ensuring ensuring uh, the well-being of our tenants around the green spaces that we employ in the mixed-use schemes, or whether that is you know, data to end users and investors. Across all of the, the journey, it is, um, it is very much part of our, 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 uh, our DNA. Is there a premium, Richard Jackson, in this? Are, are we going to see all of the things that Alan's just described go from being, uh, I suppose, a, a positive add-on to being an absolutely fundamental core requirement? I think you need to start by looking at the development of the United States and to answer that question. And we've been fortunate to go over there quite a few times as part of our early development of our strategy and then refining the building, the products, the experience and services that we provide to our residents. And over there, there are essentially three types of property, class A, B and C. And the Class A product, which is very much what we are developing, has always continued to perform extremely robustly in good times and in bad, because in times of a recession, all of the non-essentials go, but people want to live in a community, they want to have fun within that building. So rents remain relatively stable. And then if you look at the level of those rents, um, of the trips that I've been out there to, all of the Class A product, almost without exception, trades at a 20 to 30% rental premium to what would have been a converted house or an apartment owned privately without those services, management and experiences. And we can't yet prove that trend here in the UK. We're starting to see some basic premiums that have been achieved for those level of services. But I think what will happen is this is a very broad market. There are many demographics, price points, locations, product types that touch on that rental market. It's just not it's not just that apartment model. And there is no one model that is right. You know, it depends on what stage your life, what your budgets are at any given times. But I do think what is becoming increasingly relevant is that the social media revolution has really changed the expectations and the way that people live. People are much more experiential now and they value experiential over material things much more than made the previous generation. And actually, if you look at that intergenerational habits, you know, someone in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are increasingly looking to rent, they want to have experiences, they want to have services too. So I think this and is... That, that incentivizes, that changes your approach to, to, to site selection, does it? 
Um, the site selection, if we want to use the simplest rule, as we call it the daughter rule, is would we want our daughter walking home at any time of the day or night and would she be safe? That's the simplest way of looking at it. But, but ultimately, but does we're that preclude at- you then from, from opportunities to, to create value? So, Alan, you, you talked about potentially going into, you know, in, in, into less lubricous areas and, and creating value. So what's yeah, your, what's your view? Do, do you agree with Richard's point? And Richard's point being that focus on class A de-risks you through the cycle. Is that something you've seen? Yeah, I wouldn't say we, we necessarily go into... Um, uh, when I say we, we're trying to find the winning micro areas, that doesn't mean you're going into a, you know, a sort of industrial area that you're the first mover into that that area on you know this could still mean uh you know you're in the uh where we're sat here you know this is a great sort of lively area and and you could very well see that replicated across across europe shoreditch we saw in london you know was it 10 years ago now you know you don't have to be the first one in but if you are then sort of ahead of the curve it is still safe enough for your daughter to walk around there but you're still going to see this rental growth because you get the best location so it's it's understanding and identifying places where there's still space to grow that's that's what you're saying well i think it just really be very clear with what i meant by that if you look at the large majority of our sites angel gardens in manchester which opens its doors in october liverpool birmingham so it's over the road from amazon's new hq in manchester it is indeed but the point is they are all in essence when we acquired or optioned up that land they're part of wider master planned areas you know they are not the cool places to live yet but they're still five to ten minutes walk to where you workshop and play so we feel exactly the same uh, as what Alan's just said. We're getting into areas where there's growth potential, the sector potential, but you're still close to that city centre. So we are trying to transform areas and actually where we are being competitive now is on sites coming forward for future platform is where we have got a reputation for being able to, to deliver and operate and develop and plan buildings to be part of master regenerations where we can be a critical part of accelerating that development. And that's because also because planners know they need BTR makeup right and if they um, they want if they're looking to regenerate and they know they need that as part of its makeup they're going to be looking for people that they can work with to deliver that great quality product as part of the regen so it sort of starts to become a kind of the success breeds success in terms of where you then get to operate yeah we've seen exactly that in Copenhagen as an example you know you're you're sort of not in an emerging part of the the city but you're getting good quality BTR stock in a area that is two minutes by bike to all the offices and where everyone is is sort of want to be so and so so i mean there's some, some really valid points made all, all around just to to close things off um, i'd just like to go around the, the room and, and ask each of you you know what one thing you'd expect from the market over the next year obviously there's a fair amount of uh, of of volatility you know all across the show both in the uk and and across europe um alan shorten how do you how do you how are you able to 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 almost sidestep politics and 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 take a long-term view how are you able to to take your investors with them with you and 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 i, and I suppose keep them feeling like everything's going to be under control even though well, i think the supply demand on. element we, we alluded to in the, in the discussion already um I think the uh, the change in evolution, as Richard said, in terms of the, the underlying tenants and how they operate is a key bit. But fundamentally, I don't think you can get away from the risk of regulation. But from our point of view, we also see that as a positive because we are on the ground, we're local in these markets. As long as you're able to stay in line with it, which is very difficult to do, but as long as you're still in line with it and you're aware of it, you can use that to, to your advantage to 
you know, move the portfolio uh, accordingly as, as you need to in, in advance of that. And, and Jess Tomlinson, the, the regulation point is quite key. You're, you're the most regulated entity in the room. Um, where do you see the, the next year or so heading? So I think it's interesting, but there's obviously a lot of um, chatter at the moment in the market about you know, various proposals around rent control um, and what that might look like. And I think it really depends on what, what, what form of legislation that you end up with, if you end up there, whether you're talking about something that allows rents to rise alongside inflation or whether you're talking about cap type of environment. I think we know that other markets have managed to work perfectly well with some form of rental control, and it will just be something that people have to adapt to if that's where we end up. Right, but of course, we prefer something was inflation linked rather than anything that was suppressing. Well, the market. I, I don't have at Barclays. We don't have a, a, a view on where we would want the regulation to go. It will be simply something that we will watch carefully, and we'll have to understand how that will impact our customers going forwards. And, and take a view as and when, and that makes sense. And, and, and Richard Jackson, from your perspective, obviously, you know, you've got an incredible pipeline in the UK. Um, with mode of living and a number of opportunities uh, in play as well. What are some of the things that you see coming through? Well, I think the sector is going to continue to evolve. Um, hopefully, we will be able to, as an industry, be able to demonstrate and stabilise assets before the next economic cycle um, to gain momentum. Um, and then I think as the sector continues to evolve, I think that we'll, we'll see similar patterns to that of the, the student accommodation market with consolidations by large players taking out other platforms and building substantial operational platforms. We'll see more vertically integrated businesses. Certainly, that's the way we're taking our business now. And it's that there's certainly what the American investors that we have like. Um, and I think in relation to the points touched on for the regulation, you know, I think that tipping point for the built rent market when you had government support, developers, banks and investors all wishing to actively participate in it, it was only two years ago. It's still a very, very early sector. We don't have many stabilised assets. We're just gaining momentum. So I think politically, given that reliance on the delivery of housing in the UK and how early we are in the sector, I think that the government, whichever government is, should allow time for the sector to bed in before they introduce regulatory measures that may well deter some investors at this relatively early stage. So consolidation, integration, heavy focus on data and a micro market analysis. Those are the things that, that we've talked about today. Thanks very much to Jess Tomlinson from Barclays, to Alan Shortson from Patricia and to Richard Jackson from Apache. Uh, I have continued to be Andrew Teacher at Blackstock and thank you for listening to this week's ResiCast. You can check out propertyweek.com for more information on this year's Resi Convention and we hope to see you there in Newport in September. Thank you.